podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. <sighs> the, ca- the clouds are going to cave in. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show, Euro 2020, and this is episode number 10. The Euros are hotting up, and uh, Switzerland are not going out without a fight, so we'll keep an eye on that throughout the show, but uh, we're live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and uh, Ace Podcast Nation, of course, you're home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more, so please do Follow us on uh, social media for inf- more information on upcoming guests and shows and uh, any news which might be uh, popping up over the next week or two. You just don't know what's going to show up on there. I've got to be honest. But uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can click that bell for notifications. And, of course, if you prefer your podcast in audio format, you can get them at the usual places. Uh, just search Ace Podcast Nation. Well, over 460 shows now, I think. But... Uh, just a while, we wait for the couple of the latecomers, the stragglers, as it were. A uh, big thank you to Black Diamond Sports. As ever, Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency which represents sports stars from around the world. And for more information, you can visit uh, their website, their social media pages, the links to which are all in 
the description below. And uh, of course, a big thank you to Dan Ralston and Bespoke Financial for sponsoring uh, the shows throughout the tournament. And as ever, we appreciate their support. Bespoke Financial specialise in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, mortgages and sports cover. And, of course, Darren's giving away a free will at the moment worth £140 cash. So with any new policy which is taken out, please check him out. Give him a call. Do not miss out on an incredible offer. He's looked after Andy for various policies over the years, including the critical illness, the injury cover. They are top of their field. They provide award-winning service. And we are very proud to partner with such a brand. And uh, we thank them for sponsoring the shows as ever. But... Uh, with no further ado, let's get into it. First of all, my co-host, he is the goal collector. He is the man with a plan, some would say. The man from the <laughs> second, second worst town in the UK. But has he got the worst internet in the UK? Let's find out. <laughs> Live via satellite, it is former England under-21 striker, Mr Andrew Campbell. How are you, my friend? Good evening. It might be it might be probably the worst now. It's been a while, you know, since uh, since I, I I I brought that news to uh, to his podcast nation. So, no, uh, yeah, it might be it might be the worst, uh, which would be quite an accolade. Um, listen, I'm I'm good. I think I'm more I'm more relaxed tonight than I will be tomorrow night. About this time, I'm going to be I'm going to be a bag of nerves tomorrow. I'm so excited for the game. Can't wait. But I know we're going to talk about it. Uh, I know there's a very good game going on, still going on. Um, so keep an eye on that, and hopefully we get. Um, I don't know. I, I hope we just get a winner in, in extra time because I, I don't want to miss the penalties because I've got a TV in front of me. Indeed. Rodri <laughs> Rod, uh, just sent me a text message just as we were going on live and he just said, Switzerland on pens, laughing emoji. I think that was his prediction, wasn't it? Switzerland. I think that's what he said. We'll see. But uh, of course, we're joined yet again, very happy to say, by uh, ex Wales, Swansea, and Cardiff forward, Mr. David Giles. How are you, Gilo? I'm good, say thank you. Good evening, Andy. Hi, Jalo. Great to have you on again. Um, you know, I, I, a lot seems to happen every time we, we, we have a show. I know we have a show every couple of days. I know, obviously, Rodri was on and you were on a few days before, but it just, just seems as though loads are happening in the football world. Um, yeah. Loads are happening. Loads are happening. Just a preview, and the closer we get to these, obviously, the game's happening now. The games are happening tonight, which is a massive game, by the way. And then, obviously, two big games tomorrow. They're just coming thick and fast, which is great. Um, I just I can't probably hide my excitement to be fair because it's uh, it's it's this is the biggest moment of my life as a supporter. You know what I mean? I've heard everything from my dad about England and you in 1966 and all this, and which is a great heritage, great history. But I want me own. This is their I, chance. I'm, I'm greedy. Yeah, I'm greedy. This is their I, chance. The way it's worked want, out, this is their chance to do yeah. to win a tournament. Yeah. I've all, I've always said I'd love it to happen in my lifetime, and I'll be honest. I, I, I'm more, I'm more confident about this one than I was about the last World Cup. I'm more confident now with the players that we've got, with the manager, everything. There's not there's not as much expectation and hype and euphoria around what's going on than, than there normally is at this time, which is which is great. You know, I mean, everything's just kept ticking over. I think it'll get bigger tomorrow in the morning. I think it'll keep on getting wrapped up. But I think it's I think it's probably good that they're playing in Italy tomorrow as well. I think I think it'll. I'm not saying it's a good thing for the players, but I think for the for the country and probably the euphoria and expectations, I think it's good to step out that bubble a little bit. Hundred percent, mate. So, um, yeah. very quickly, Gaz sent in a super chat, so I'll get that in quick. Uh, I'm not reading that. He can put it. Right. 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 Everyone else can read he's it. Andy will read it. He's Andy can read it. He's, he's 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 bang on three times. 
Go on for the audio listeners, uh, Andy. What did he? What did Gaz say for his super chat? Seeing as he paid, Gaz says, and Gaz, Gaz doesn't lie, by the way. So Gaz tells the truth and nothing but the tr- <laughs> truth. It's coming home. It's coming home. Football's coming home. Mm. Bang on. So, as I, I want to get Gilo's take on what I said the other day very quickly before we move on to some other bits. But um, so Gilo, one, I think it was Wednesday with Rodri. I said. And I put the question to him and to Andy and Rodri, but particularly Andy as an England, uh, an English man. I said, if England do not reach the final with the way things have turned out and the draws gone and the teams have crashed out that have crashed out, obviously your expectations change from what they were before the tournament. Would it be a failure if England don't make it to the final? Yes, I, th- I think it will be because the draw is, is working out absolutely fantastic for them. Listen, England. Uh, they are one of the favourites and, and they can go all the way and win it. And I hope they do. And like Andy said about his dad, I watched every game of the 66 um, uh, World Cup. Actually, I was in Butlins for a fortnight with my mum and dad. And I don't know um, whether people have been there, but we watched it in a bar where they, in Butlins, they used to have these big glass screens under the water in the pool. Because okay. the, game, the game was going on, you'd always get the odd joker come down with his bathers down, showing his backside. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you were looking, you were looking at that or looking at someone's backside. But um, no, listen, England got a great chance. Alan Shearer said the other night they'll never ever get a better chance than this. And I believe uh, with this England team, again, I go back to what um, Andy said. He, you know, he's a uh, teammate of Gareth Southgate. I really like Gareth Southgate with the way he deals with it. Um, he never gets over the top or, or too excited. He's always in control. But this England team, I believe, have got not just a quality team on the pitch, they've got a fabulous bench to bring on. And the other night, bringing people like Jack Grealish on, who's arguably, technically, ability-wise, probably the best in the England squad. Yeah, but, Rashford but, is barely playing. Exactly. Jaden Sancho's played six minutes. They're all fresh, mm. yeah, um, which yeah. is quite a frightening prospect. However, what I would say, and is whilst I, I I do believe that if England don't get to the final, then it is a failure. I think uh, I have seen one or two people get a bit carried away thinking that if you make the final, you automatically win it, and I think that's not no. the case because you're no. probably going to come up against one of Italy or Belgium. But of course, you've got Spain at the moment are still in it. That Italy and Belgium team are very, very difficult to beat. And there are a whole different kettle of fish to a, with all due respect, to a Ukraine or even, you know, to a Denmark or someone like that. I think England would be foolish to think that get too carried away too quickly. And whilst I, I agree with Jilo, David, uh, Gareth Southgate won't let that happen. But it's the media which are so often have that influence of creating pressure yeah. or expectations, yeah, and which of course rubs up. That's why you get so many Scottish, Welsh, Irish people get so frustrated with it. But of course, from an England point of view, they've got. I think that's the one almost uh, being a bit lax or a bit arrogant is the thing they've got to guard against the most, particularly in this net. You know, the Ukraine game. If they play the way they can play, they'll win. But if they go in like they did, like France did, thinking, well, we've already beaten Germany, so, you know, Ukraine's nothing, is it? That's where you get unstuck, isn't it? Oh, listen, I think, starting with the Gareth Southgate point, I think um, Gareth handled himself with such integrity. Um, It hasn't all gone his way, by the way, and gone England's way. You look at the the Scotland game, they were brutal. 
he took an absolute hammering um, on social media, in the press, um, team selections, everyone's, every probably single start, everyone's hammered him about his team selections, been the wrong team, wrong formation. He's, he's pulled up trees in some respects. He's got things, got things from, some things really right. Um, and listen, you've got to back your manager. If you don't back your manager, then what's the point of him being in charge? You, we all think that we that we know better than a, than a national football manager. Listen, we're all allowed our own opinion, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't have done what he'd have done. I wouldn't have had probably the, the balls to do it. I wouldn't have probably lasted as long keeping the same team as he did, especially in the Germany game. I'd have probably pressed that panic button a little bit earlier and brought Jack on and brought probably Rashford on, or maybe Sancho on, and and, uh, and gone for it a little bit earlier. That's why he's a he's a top top manager with a with a great future ahead of him, and I I think it's um, I think it's unbelievable to go on to the um, if they don't get the final. I think listen, I think it's a massive underachievement if they don't get there. We spoke to Emil Heskey, we spoke to Adrian Brevington on that show about um, the golden generation. The golden generation had some world class footballers in their team. You know, what I mean, in players who would probably walk into this team now, in my opinion, the David Beckham's, the Michael Owens, the Stevie G's, the Frank Lampard's, etc. But this is a team, you know what I mean? We're not playing players out of position. We're playing a team who who knows exactly their role and their job and their responsibility within that process. And that's what it is. It's a process. The manager's well drilled. And, um, and I, listen, I think I think the future's bright. And I think it's a, it's a real good opportunity for, for these players to make themselves heroes like the guys of 66. The, the, the guys of 66 are still are still heroes and rightly so and these guys will be as well to, to people now and people in the future but they've got to do the work on the pitch and for me the trickiest game is tomorrow you can only look to the next game and the next game Ukraine you can only beat what's in front of you everything's against Ukraine the, the, the extra time a couple of injuries playing after we did the travel everything's set up for England to to qualify and go through but you can only do that in the football pitch and then after that you look again at an, another game it could be Czech Republic again at Wembley uh, it could be Denmark or Wembley. It's it's it, you, you can't obviously make those judgments until the games are, are set in stone. But listen, it's a, it's a it's a massive opportunity for the country and the players. And I just hope in what a week's time that we're talking about England in the final and, and on the Sunday than uh, than that they've underachieved because I think I think for the whole of British football, I think it would be nice for British football to get that stigma of of England getting in the final or or a home nations getting in the final. For the audio listeners, Sai shook his head. <laughs> so sorry, I've been asked, you no, know, I've been asked like loads of times, and I think someone just asked me, I think it was Holgate. Holgate that just said, I heard a rumor you're supporting England, Sai is this true? So I did clarify on Wednesday, I think I said, yeah. I said, um, look, I won't be supporting England, as in I won't be cheering them on, and I won't be like, oh, come on, England, blah, blah, blah. However, if, if England was to win it, I would be delighted for Andy and for some of my other friends who are English who've gone through, similar to what I've gone through as a Welsh fan, so many failures and so many near misses and stuff like that. We all know what that's like as football fans. It's just, the like, like Rodri said on Wednesday, it's you don't begrudge the winning, it's the aftermath. And, you know, when, when we're like 20 years later and Andy's still going on about 2020, and uh, England still winning the Euros. That's when there's like, that's where you get the dish. Right. Anyway, before I want to put a lot of focus on um, Belgium versus Italy tonight. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to touch on a few little non-Euro bits because you know Friday traditionally championship show we talk a bit of football news normally. So I did want to just touch on a few things, some of them championship related. Um, so first and foremost, Billy Gilmore 
uh, who obviously impressed in the Scottish team before getting COVID and we had all that controversy with the England game and stuff like that. But um, he is signed for Norwich City on loan. Uh, is that a good move, and do you think? Um, I think he's listen. He's got to play, and he's got to play um, thirty-eight league games. And the way to play thirty-eight league games is going to be a team who's come up to the Premier League. So I think he's in a really good position that he's going to play. Uh, and for his development, it, 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 he will play every minute of every single game for Norwich City, I believe, yeah. if he's fit. And um, I look at the Scotland team, and you've got Grant Hanley. So you've got somebody there who already got a link to. It's probably a similar scenario that he's, he's up against all odds. He's going to be playing against better players week in, week out. So for me, there's no expectation and there's no pressure on him. But listen, he's a talented footballer. I'm sure he will, um, he will excel. Uh, he'll show Chelsea how good he is. He'll show the rest of the Premier League how good he is. And, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him because I think he needs to be tried and tested. I think he needs to be tried and tested all of the time against the Man Citys, the Liverpools, the Man United's, not just for Chelsea and a world-class team. You know what I mean? Because when you're a world-class player and a world-class team, it works. But when you're a, a very good footballer in um, not a very good side who's losing games, then sometimes you've got to change and adapt a little bit. And I, and I believe he'll, he'll learn to adapt. He'll bring new things to his game um, because he's going to have a lot of the games without the ball. So how does he adapt yeah. his game? Because he's used to having the ball all the time at Chelsea. So it's, uh, no, I'm, I'm, it's a good move for him personally. I think he needs to use that loan system. And we've seen over the course of the of the of your last few seasons that the loan system can be beneficial for, for some young footballers. Yeah, Gilo, um Chelsea have been obviously over the years have been criticized about the way they use that loan the loan system for their young players. But I think in fairness to them, the last probably three years or so they they've used it quite well in that the players who've gone out of low on loan are now playing, you know, you're looking at Mason Mount and people like this, they're playing first team football now, which obviously traditionally wasn't the case you had like I think there was a point of about 10 years ago where Chelsea had like 40 players out on loan and none of them were ever going to get near the first team they were just ended up being sold off but you know they have used it and if Billy Gilmore goes and has a good season for Norwich Dave um that's going to be good for Chelsea in the long run isn't it oh without a doubt as Andy said Billy Gilmore if he keeps developing the way he has done since he's been a young boy and then all credit to Frank Lampard for uh, giving him a chance at Chelsea. And and I'm sure we all remember that when, when he came in, uh, that the Liverpool game in particular, where he was absolutely brilliant in defence, midfield and, and supporting the front men. It's a great move for Norwich. Norwich have pulled a, an absolute blinder out of the bag there to get him. I took me again with Andy, playing for a club like Norwich, who are going to be under the cosh against the better teams in the Premier Division. He will have to develop his other side of his game, his defensive side, how he helps the defence, how he gets the ball off the back four and keeps hold of it and then tries to pick people out where they don't give the ball away. So I think it'll benefit everyone. But I, I honestly believe that this kid is one of the most exciting young prospects uh, in, in British football or English football in the Premier Division. But it's no good him sat on the bench for Chelsea week in, week no. out, and coming on for five, ten minutes. It's a great move for him, and, and well done to Norwich for, for tying that down. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think it's probably important probably to get it done well. quickly. Yeah, well, I, I, th I think it was. I think it was so important for the for the deal to get done early because he's just finished the Euros. He's, he's, hot, he's hot property. He needs to probably go and do the pre-season with his new club to, to meet his new teammates. He's got a big season ahead of him. 
Norwich City got relegated the last time they were in the Premier League because of they made some probably small errors in the defensive they area. They didn't sign anyone, did they? Right, right, um, they didn't make many signings, but listen, this boy can make a difference with creativity. I'd like to see, yeah. I think he'd make a difference with the defensive side as well. I, I agree with Jilo there, what you just said about uh, about changing the way that he plays defensively. I think he needs to probably be um, and be tested aggressively, um, positionally, against some of the best midfielders in, in the world, because that's what it is, you know what I mean? He's going to be playing against the Pogbas, he's going to be playing against um, the Gundogan, he's going to be playing against other players, and I think it's so important for his development that he that he continues it. I'm guessing he won't be playing against Chelsea, which obviously is normally normally part of the deal. Um, but the rest of the teams, it'll do Chelsea good because you've got Billy Gilmore against every other Premier League team, so he potentially is going to take points <laughs> off, off, off plenty of other Premier League sides. Cause, listen, they're, they're not stupid, by the way, so they've, I think they've, they've picked a good fit. But like I think, it's, said, a, I think it's a Premier League rule, brilliant. isn't it? That you're not allowed to play against your home, the club which owns your registration, I yeah. think. I think so. Yeah. But yeah, it's you know, it is what it is. Um another quick story I wanted to touch on was Derby County, uh, the EFL have decided they're not going to appeal against the decision to just find the club for accountancy uh irregularities. Um and I just wanted to get read this quote to you, and because this for me spells everything that we've been saying about the EFL. So EFL basically uh, appealed against Derby, they asked them for their they had to provide their accounts again. And um, DFL basically have now said um, they had no realistic chance of winning the appeal, so they're not going to do it. So, what was the point? What was the point? What was well, what was, was the point? No in, point? What's the point in doing anything? Uh, what the, the AFL have made a mockery of the whole system. They made a mockery two weeks ago when they when they announced the fixtures and put Wickham Wanderers and Derby County in the Championship and in League One in case in case the. the the appeal goes south. Well, hang on a minute. You know, what I mean, you've got a, a club like Wickham Wanderers, by the way, who today have just sold their centre forward to Middlesbrough. So let's say Wickham Wanderers stay in the Championship. They've lost their best player. So yeah. how on earth is that fair? How's it going to work moving forward? They're going to struggle next year without their best players. You know, what I mean, what is it's the same thing. What Reese just said there. What's hundred thousand pound a derby? If they broke the rules, hundred thousand pound is a drop in the ocean. You know what I mean? If you're going to hit these clubs with a proper punishment, and the punishment's got to be greater than the than the risk, you know what I mean? They've got to really hit them where it hurts. And you know what I mean? For so, me, the, the only way to do it for me is by is 25 points. Smash 25 <coughs> single team breaks the rules, and that for me that's relegation straight away. It's relegation straight away because you're never going to get out of that. Yeah. Well, here you go. Wickham's owner is uh, subsequently accused Derby of systematic cheating and said the uh, Derby should be punished further for years upon years of violating EFL rules. So he's not going to say that unless he's got a very good idea that there's something not quite right. Now, we have speculated, Andy, haven't we, about <coughs> um, the Wayne Rooney deal when he got signed and it was the bet, um, what was it? I forget what the company's bet called now. 32. Red and, he, and, and, and Wayne Rooney came in and suddenly he's been number 10 all his life and he was number 32. And they had this brand spanking new sponsor. But we're all expected to, you know, they've had no kind of financial implication into that Wayne Rooney signing for a championship club, etc., etc. We all speculated about that. We joked about it. We don't really know, but we can guess. But I would imagine an owner of another football club is going to know a lot more than what we do. So for him to so blatantly, Dave, come out and say, you know, this is not right, they're cheating, 
and they've been doing it for years. They're breaking the rules. He's not. I would. I would imagine just for the legal implications of saying, you know, things like slander and libel. I would imagine he's not going to come out and say that unless he's got a reason. Oh no! Well, you're right, sir. So he 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 must have information on Derby. You know, he's bound to. Whether it, it will all come out. By the way, you know, you, you're saying that with uh, with uh, you, you could open a can of worms here because I'm telling you, know, there's plenty of other clubs at it as well. Oh, plenty yeah. of clubs, you know. And um, my God, go back to the '80s. You know, do, was it fair that Newcastle signed Kevin Keegan and, and all the deal and everything was paid for by um, by Newcastle Breweries? Mm -hmm. You know, they they Crazy. paid for they paid for the lot. So and and again, go back to when when and I remember um, Neil Warnock. I, I can't think that he could have been at Leeds, played at Cardiff, and he and he said about when Bellamy signed for Cardiff. How was this right that he's on a hundred and twenty grand a week? Man City are paying a hundred thousand pound of it, and Cardiff are only paying twenty grand of it. You know where's the fairness in that to other clubs? So. Yep. It's been going on for a, for a long, long time, and then, mm. well, I don't know. I, I don't know how you stop it, so I, I don't know how they will stop well, it. I don't I would know. I'd suggest the start would be the EFL implementing their own bloody rules, and I think that's one of the things which me and Andy have talked about a lot with the EFL is they've got all these rules and the FA and the Premier League. You've got all these rules about financial fair play and and this, that, and the other, but they mean nothing. Because they're never implemented. Mm. If a team breaks them, they get a poxy fine. Like what Mad did Man City and get like a fine of like a couple of million pounds. This is the club who's going to go yeah. and sign Harry Kane for 120 million, by the way, probably with an upfront payment. <laughs> and mm. two million fine is going to what? Like it's it's ludicrous. But this, is, but, this, but, this, but this this is a problem we've got because clubs. Listen, you could you could overspend by 20 million pound. And it could go in your favour. It could get you promoted. It can get you the Premier League, which is the where the clubs want to be. And if you're getting fined hundred thousand pounds, well, what's 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 the deterrent? There's no deterrent there, and there's not nothing to scare you off. No. Just, it just doesn't make sense to me that how clubs think um, that they can get round the EFL. The EFL should be in charge of every single call, every single decision. And unfortunately, they made themselves look a little bit silly over the past eighteen months with not finishing certain divisions and and not implementing certain rules with every single club and being fair and consistent. You know what I mean? I know. Being, with living here, that um, um, that um, Steve Gibson, the chairman, has been going on about Derby County for a very long time. By the way, he's been aware this has been going on, and, and he just wants fair and consistency because he he could have easily splashed the same money and and, and brought the rules. And for me, it's just such a shame that that this kind of thing um, is is happening because it's just making making English football, and especially when it's linked to the Premier League, look very very silly. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating, isn't it? And like at the end of the day, Wickham would have battled hard to try and stay up. Um, and ultimately, Derby's depth and Wayne Rooney's management, you could argue, was what kept them up. Yeah. So that has added not just a, uh, an implication over the long term, but also the short term as well. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? It's, it's got to be frustrating. And for those clubs like Wickham, who are smaller, haven't got the funding which a Derby County have got or a Nottingham Forest have got or a Cardiff City have got or, you know, numerous other clubs, then they depend on those rules being implemented. And if they're sticking to the rules and then they know that other clubs are blatantly using loopholes and flouting those rules, then, of course, they're going to, you know, kick up a bit of a stink and say, hang on a minute, 
why isn't you know why are they why are we have why are we stick into it and they're not but i guess we'll have to wait and see how that progresses but it looks for the time being as if it's dead and buried the efl are very disappointed though andy by the decision uh even though they're the ones who've chosen not to appeal it further which is again <laughs> puzzling to say <laughs> the least isn't it they're disappointed they're disappointed but they're in charge brilliant yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, and uh, I just want to take a second as uh, the Swiss game uh, looks at his penalties. Um, I want to take a second yeah, to uh, commend Borussia Dortmund's business model because they can't compete with Bayern Munich from a club size point of view. But Andy, I want you to tell me, tell the people that uh, the figure which you mentioned to me and Jyla when we were talking about it before we went on the show. Obviously, James Sancho, for anyone who doesn't know, is going to United. Um, yet another young player who they've picked up from an uh, under-23s in Premier League or France or wherever, signed for £12 million and then sold for a huge profit a couple of years later. But what was the uh, the figures that you said, mate? Yeah, so my dad sent me a, uh, a message earlier on about, uh, he compared it to Middlesbrough. So Middlesbrough spent £32 million on Brits on Malonga, Ashley Fetcher, Rudy Gested and uh, Guardiola and they made zero profit. Where Bruce Dortmund has spent £32 million, £32 million on Sancho, Dembele, Abamyang, and Pulisic and they've sold all of those players or will have sold all those players by in, in two weeks' time for a total of £309 million which is just absolutely amazing. In a business model to die for, I think. Yeah, yeah, you've got and you've got to commend them, mate. They, and you mentioned again just before we started when we were talking about it. Um, and but Gilo is <clears throat> it's not just a case of them signing those young players, they've got to scout them and get the right players to then be able to sell them on as a profit. And you know, it looks like they'll do the same with um with Haaland as well, whether it be this summer or next summer. He'll probably go for 100 million because he's a striker. And they've made a massive profit again, but they do have to find the, the right players to do to use within this model, don't they? Of course they do. And uh, as you mentioned there, so we were talking uh, before we came on here, and Andy was saying the guy—he's probably the most important guy at Borussia Dortmund—is this scout that's picking up all these kids. And and listen, they're coming over to England and they're taking the cream of the cream, if you like, and they're signing. But they're also, and, and mustn't take this away from the club and the, and the manager and the coaches, they're developing them as well. They're making them much better players than what they were when they picked them up. But they can see the potential. They're bringing these kids. Um, I, I would say, I, I, I don't know, but the, the agents involved with these young players, I'm sure there must be a footballer involved in this to say, listen, go to Bruce, uh, Borussia Dortmund because they'll make you a better player than, than what you'll you'll be at, at the clubs you are at the moment, you know, at the present time. I think it, it happened. Didn't um, uh, De Bruyne, when he left Chelsea, where did he go? Yeah, he went uh, to oh, it was one of the German teams. I forget who it was. It might have been Gladbach. I don't know. Someone will tell us now in the chat. I forget yeah. who it was. But it was one of the less fashionable yeah, uh, yeah. German clubs. But like Reese in the chat made just a phenomenal point. He said, um, forget that side. They not only sign youngsters, but they allow them time to develop, play them in competitive games. Um, and there's not often that big clubs will do that. And I mean, oh, I was Wolfsburg um, that De Bruyne went to. Right. But, okay. Like in Sancho's case, and, um, you know, he was 17. Man City offered him 30 grand a week and wanted to sign him to whatever, a three year contract. 
but they wanted him to follow, you know, pretty much what Foden has done and kind of be in and out of the first team, play in the League Cup, etc. And he had the confidence in himself to say, no, I want to play first team football. Now, you've got to have some, one, you've got to have a lot of confidence in yourself to be able to say that and do that at the age of 17. But you can't fault him. He went to a foreign country three years or whatever. And by the way, not just three years of playing full first team football, three years, particularly the last two seasons, if his figures are ridiculous. Mm. 20 goals, 20 assists the season before last. I think something similar this year. How much confidence does it take though, mate, to go to a country where you don't speak the language age 17? Ah, oh, listen, I think it's um, it's commendable for him. And I think that's why people like uh, Jude Bellingham has gone and followed this path because They've seen the success and their progression and how quickly he can do it at that kind of club and at that kind of environment. I think it's so important. Jalo said there, but we spoke before and, um, and said about um, the scouting network. For me, there's three steps. You know what I mean? You've got your scouts, which is great. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's identified players who he thinks can make a difference. Then you've got your coaches who get hold of them and, and teach them and drum into them how important it is to, to play the Bush Dortmund way and attacking style with pace and power and, and speed, which is so important. And then the manager's got to play them. You know what I mean? So the manager's got to give them an opportunity at the young age. So, you know what I mean? It's not about, it's not about results. You know what I mean? You look at Bayern Munich, everything's results-based. It's results, results, results. Yeah, yeah. I, look at, I look at Borussia Dortmund and it's not all about um, results because it can't be. Because if you're trying to progress through four, five, six players who are at a young age, you've got to sometimes swallow a defeat here and there or, or, or get knocked out of a cup or, or doing something because it's results have got to go out the window if you're looking at progression and you're looking at players because players, yes, you want to try and win and you want to try and win games, which is great, but the, with the development they've had, I think, I think that's probably why they've, they've failed at the, probably the final hurdle and Bayern Munich have had so much success over the last few years because, yes, individually they've, they've done great, but collectively they've probably struggled a little bit more than they wanted to, but the business model works. They're still in the Champions League season after season. They're probably finishing the top two, top three. They'll probably sometimes win a cup. Individually, Sancho's get a huge move to United. Um, Haaland's having a fantastic career, fantastic time. Aubameyang, a, a pure goal Spain, scorer. Spain, their Dembele, first time. Have they? Um, yeah, so for me, for me, I think it's a it's an amazing opportunity for, for Sancho. But I think other players who follow suit, and I'll use Jude Bellingham as an example, and I think if it wasn't for Joe Bellingham's move to Borussia Dortmund, he wouldn't have been anywhere near the England squad. No, no. No, I agree with that because he would have been in and out of the United team because he wouldn't have started um, <coughs> United. He wouldn't have started week in, week out. There's just no, no way that he no, would be he able to do it. And he also wouldn't have played in the Champions League side because everyone goes on about the games against Man City. You know what I mean? The standout games for Jude Bellingham, he's played more than these two games, by the way, but everyone goes on about the two games against Man City. The game when he scored, which got chalked off for a... Um, a tackle on the goalkeeper, which uh, which is a, was a dubious one, and the second game, which I thought he was very he was very good. He dictated play, he dominated the game at a young age. Um, when they were losing the game, probably throughout the throughout the night, but it's he wouldn't have got that United. He probably wouldn't have got on the pitch a lot with Fernandez dictating play. Pogba's had a good season. McTominay has had a solid season. He wouldn't have got probably anywhere near the team. Never mind. Or sometimes maybe isn't the squad. So for me, it, it's testament to another boy, another player. Who's had, who's had confidence in going to another country um, and having to learn all these new things, new lifestyle, new uh, environments, new language, new style, um, a way of living. And hopefully he's going to come back 10 times a better player like uh, Jaden Sancho will be. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, 
I see uh, K. Charles just said, like, Juan Matt has signed a new deal at United. I just don't see how he's going to play. And that surely means that Jesse Lingard is going to go because you've got Daniel James, you've got Diallo, obviously you've got Sanchez come in. Some of them are going to have to go. I can understand them keeping Mata. He's experienced. He's not expecting to play, you know, each week. But when, you know, I think Daniel James might go on loan. I think Lingard will probably be sold as well. But Daniel James, I think, has got to be careful where he goes on loan. He needs to play Premier League football. He needs to play week in, week out. So the last thing he wants to do is go somewhere where he's going to then again be in and out of the team because um, he's an important part of his career because I thought he was one of Wales' better players, actually, in the Premier League because I think he's improved a lot under Solskjaer, which I'm not sure I thought I'd ever say that, but there we go. Um, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, well, I, I want to kind of say on, the, on that point, sorry, but in there, yeah, you're, no on about, you're on about, for me, a team like Newcastle United, I look at Willock from Arsenal, um, took the boy on loan. Uh, you know, I mean, no, no one had really ever heard of him. You know, we're giving him an opportunity in the first team. He's, he's, he's got a good reputation, he's got good potential. But he scored something like six goals in six games, so seven goals in seven games in the Premier League. So, you know, what I mean, mm. these kind of teams are. You know, I mean, they're not fashionable as in they're going to win the Premier League, but they're, they're, they're playing the Premier League week in, week out. They play against the big the big six all the time and, the, and, and, and every other team. So, for me, if players are going to go, those clubs would snap their hands off because they're, especially when St. James is his full, 52,000, there's a good atmosphere. You know what I mean? He's used to playing Old Trafford. For me, that would be a, a good substitute, so to speak, in terms of um, in, in going to a passionate and, and healthy football club. Yeah, you mentioned Newcastle, and Like... Phil Jones is a baffling one for me because to me, like he's never going to play regularly for United again, never, because they're going to sign a centre-back. They've already got at least three in front of him, probably four if you include the younger, uh, the youngster they got. So he's getting whatever he's getting, 100 grand a week at least. Like I don't understand why he, at his age, because he's still relatively young. He's not like 30s. I think he's like mid-20s because he went there so young. Why wouldn't he go to a club like Newcastle, probably still get close to 100 grand a week, and play football? It, it baffles me, and I will never understand it, but maybe you can give me an insight as an ex-striker and an ex-footballer, because I do not understand it at all. Oh, listen, I've had, I've had my grumbles on our show a number of times about, about, about this, because I honestly don't get it. I don't get, the, I don't get the situation. It's not a money thing. You know, when you look back, and Jairo will tell you, there's nothing better than, a, than to, to play football. You know, I mean, you work all week and turn on a Saturday. You turn up on a Saturday expecting to play, wanting to play. And if you don't play, then you've, you've got nothing to look forward to. And yeah. then you, you do the same thing again. And then you do the same thing again. By the time three weeks is gone, you've lost fitness. And you get thrown in. You can't do yourself justice. Um, I, I, I honestly don't get it. These guys, if they leave Man United, for example, on, on 100 grand a week, they're going to go to Newcastle United or another Premier League team Possibly in the same money, if not just a little bit less. So it's it's not like, it's not like they're going to be struggling on the bread they're lines. The poverty, they're not in the poverty line, are they? You know. So for me, for me, it's all about playing football. You know what I mean? And winning yeah. trophies and, and trying to be the best person you can be. I look at um, I look at Jesse Lingard, for example. Jesse Lingard gave himself the best possible chop chance and opportunity to go to the Euros by going to West Ham. He didn't need to go to West Ham. He didn't need to take that risk, but he took that risk because he wanted to go to the Euros, and it nearly worked out for him. You know what I mean? For me, if he'd have probably pushed that button a little bit earlier at the start of the season and had a full season, he would have definitely been in the Euros. And, and I felt sorry for him in terms of that because he's, there was probably no better player on form, but reputationally-wise, Jordan Henderson, reputationally-wise, um, other players took his place. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they were ahead of him in the pecking order. But it's, for me, I just felt so sorry for those kind of players who 
who want to play. Because for me, and listen, I'll go back to the point where I said that Diet Jalo, you want to play. And if you don't want to play, there's something wrong. You shouldn't be a footballer because yeah. everyone would give the left arm to be a footballer. So, um, from what I can gather, uh, I'm reading the comments of the live chat and on BBC's live text. It seems like uh, the Swiss had the advantage in the penalty shootout early on. But yeah, from what I can gather, this was one of the worst penalty shootouts. So, you know, like in the Euro, was it the Europa League final where like finished every three player one. scored? Yeah, finished three yeah, one. So Spain are through. Yeah, Spain are through three one. Yeah. Wow. And lucky, I've got to say, by the way, the Swiss's performances in the last couple of games have been superb. Mm. And it shows that actually Wales probably got away with one and they had a good result against them because they're much better than what I thought they were pre-tournament. But how much, how, much good... of a, how much of a regret, though, is this for, for a Swiss player, fan? Major, oh, God, can you imagine? a massive regret because now there's a semi-final. You know, I mean, they've, they've given themselves a, a wonderful opportunity by progressing through where they've gone. And now they've pushed Spain all the way to... To where they pushed them, and, Can't lose, yeah, it's got to be frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. What do yeah, we think of the sending off? By the way, uh, I didn't a see few it. like it, haven't they? Yeah, so I didn't see it. It's been much of a muchness. I think um, you've had the Ampadu one, you've had this one. There was the one in the game the other week, uh, the other day. I can't remember what game it was. England, there's been yeah. a few where it's like it's almost like the player goes for the ball, and then it's the follow through when they stand on their foot or their ankle, and then, of course in slow motion looks dreadful looks like they're trying to do some damage. But I actually don't think it is that. But in this day and age, with VAR, it's sending off. Um, it is in Europe, side. I think it, it is It is by European officials. Jailo will tell you, you know what I mean? In British football, tackles get looked looked another in a different direction. But, yeah. you know what I mean, playing in national football, Jailo would have made a tackle on a Saturday um, for his club and he probably would have got away with it. You go abroad to play for Wales and do the same tackle. Referee will give a free kick. It's just, it's opinions and it's, that's what makes football good. It gives us something to talk about. But for me, I think it's such a grey area because how can you stop a follow through in a tackle? I'm no tackler, by the way. But how can you stop your body, your momentum <laughs> following through? You know what I mean? I, I, I was an awful tackler being, being an attacking player. Mm. Uh, but I don't see how you can, if you, if you want to try and win the ball and you're going through, how can you stop there? You've got to, you've got to follow one and go through. It's impossible. Yeah, I think, I think, it, I think. <sighs> It sometimes depends on where that follow through is hitting the player as well. Like I thought that the Ampadu one was red, but I thought if that happened because he went for the ball with his right foot, so his body was in the whole wrong shape. So he, whenever, whatever contact he made with the ball, his follow through was always going to land sort of around ankle height on the player. Mm. Whereas if he had gone with his left foot, which was the more natural position, his body would have been turned away from the player. And his follow-through wouldn't have made that connection. And for me, that's a technical error from the boy. He didn't want to go with his left foot for whatever reason. And, you know, he's young and stuff like that. But And I'm sure he'll learn his lesson. And, you know, over the years, we've seen how many young players get sent off in European tournaments for tackles and, and things that they perhaps would have got away with at domestic level. Um, it's just part and parcel, isn't it? You, I remember when I was younger, United had to learn. It felt like they were learning for like five seasons when their British clubs got back into Europe. It felt like they got like players banned and red carded for nothing for years and they had to really learn how to play European football again. But hopefully all these young guys will learn. Um, I said the other day, but I thought um, I thought Shakiri of... Um, Switzerland has been absolutely outstanding. 
um, this tournament. I thought he's really good. I think he's uh, is he? I think he's captain in he as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he I think he is, yeah. and he's he's yeah. played like a captain in fairness, and like I joked, didn't I, that he um he's like Renato Sanchez, where every time there's a tournament, he plays amazing, gets his big move, and then he goes quiet for a bit. But you can't knock him; like he's been superb, and he's been a big reason, not just attacking but defensively as well. Why Switzerland have gone so far? But Jilo, anyone stood out for you from Switzerland other than um, uh, Shakiri? Shakiri, uh, is it? Yeah, I was just going to say I'm not very good with the name side, but um, this I think I said to you earlier. I, I think it, the, the Euros have been absolutely brilliant for the so-called lesser nations mm. have really developed and and have become teams. Now we saw Austria the other night, Czech Republic, uh, difficult. You know, have been difficult. They've had a decent to tournament. Finland, you know, the the the, the so-called lesser nations. Have, have not been hammered by anyone. You know, they're, they're standing up and they're, they're holding their own. So I think that's absolutely brilliant. And, and Switzerland tonight in this game had a guy sent off and they've still pushed Spain all the way and they've taken it to penalties. Now that's compared to Spain, who are a giant world footballing nation, compared to Switzerland, that is a phenomenal achievement, really. Yeah. Let's take yeah. it that far. But going back to the earlier points that you and Andy were talking about, I look at the, the, the tackling today. Are these are these lads taught how to tackle? Because when I started playing football in the seventies, the defenders would do sessions on tackling. Hmm. You you, yeah. you were taught how to tackle, how to how to dig, get your body right. I'm sorry, Ethan Ampadu, you don't hmm. tackle with your right foot up in the air. That to me, that's going over the top of the ball. Yeah, you get your foot side on, your knee stiff, your elbow round, and you come through. You try and take the ball, and if you can push the man back, then even better. There was a time, um, and I'm sure every football ground uh, in, in the country in the 70s and the 80s, where tackling was an art, and a, a defender or a midfield player making a great tackle got the fans up. They really love that because that comes from there. That's passion. That's heart. That's giving everything. But I think all we see today is is sly little tackles coming in from the side and sloppy, if you like. I don't think these lads know how to tackle properly. And, no, and the, before, before I shut up, I, that the other night, remember the penalty when the keepers come out and punched? Yeah. And thought, how can a keeper come out and punch and then stop his arm? Yeah. You're going yeah, to follow through. <laughs> So, how was that a penalty? I, I, I don't but know. That's, but, that, but that's the thing, Jalo, isn't it? You know what I mean? It, regardless how much of the ball he got, you know what I mean? He got a little touch on it on the way to go and, and follow through. And if he'd have completely missed the ball and punched him in the face, then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. But so he, he nicked the ball. And if he's nicked yeah. the ball, it's like winning a tackle. If you've got the ball, you've got the ball. There's no hairs or graces behind it. If you've touched the no. ball, you've touched the ball. It's, you yeah. don't have to touch all the ball. Because um, if he's punched the ball, he's not touching all the ball anyway. He's just touching the middle bit. It's I, I, I just don't agree with. And, and, and you know, we talked about VAR. You know, as I spoke about VAR a minute ago. What's winding me up about VAR at the minute is when VAR tell a referee go look at the look at the, the monitors. You know straight away it's a red card. So yeah, you know what I mean for me that's got to change. It's got to mix it up a little bit. You know what I mean for me just to keep the suspense because the players know. The TV cameras know. Everybody knows who's watching the game that that's a red card. And I think sometimes the referee's got to go, right, I've got to make my own decision. I'd love to hear the conversation, what's getting said. You know what I mean? Like, I want you to go and look at the TV monitor again. Brilliant. I'll go and look at it. Not, 
go and look at the TV remote again, it's a red card. Because if that's the decision, just give the yes. red card, don't look yeah, at the TV yeah. monitor. You know exactly, what I mean? exactly. So who's, who's making the decisions? Because for me, the referees have seen it. Some referees, they give yellow cards for the tackles and then they're getting asked to go look at it again. But then they're getting made to look stupid by somebody else. You know what I mean? Yes, it might be horrific. It might have, The injury might, have, might, might be horrific. But these players, they're getting back up. And I, I just think it's a, <laughs> a grey area where we, we probably need to be a little bit stronger and a little bit more consistent with mixing the mixing the, the results up because for me you can't always go to the TV monitor at the side and, and, and change the, change the tune because everyone knows then oh he's got the side he's going to change it over it doesn't work like that yeah yeah no you're right Dan yeah. to- totally right I totally but agree on your, on your point who's impressed me with, with Switzerland Mbolo Mbolo the centre forward yeah. he, he scored against Wales yes, I thought he was yes, fantastic sorry. against them yeah. uh, with his header but I thought his pace um, his power in the Welsh game he gets behind. He runs behind. I think he's been quieter the tournament as the tournament's gone on because they've been more defensive. But he's an outlet. He's a, he's got pace. He's got power. Uh, he could get a decent move. Um, so Severe, uh, him and Severovic look a good good uh, a good yeah. partnership up front. Um, so a bit of team news from the tonight's Italy Belgium game, which is what we're going to finish off on now. Uh, De Bruyne starts uh, behind Lukaku. Uh, Hazard is on the the bench. Um, which I always felt like one of them was going to be in the starting lineup. And what? Uh, looking at it, I can't see. Oh, Hazard's not even on the bench. No, no. So, so he, he, there so he's, yeah. Well, he's I, I thought he had. Uh, I thought it was cramp, which he came off with at the end. Obviously, it wasn't. It must but be he's coming back from a long injury, yeah. isn't he? So, yeah, so it was always going to happen. Listen, they can't. They can't play Italy without those two. You know what I mean? No, they, they at least no. had to have one of them. So, if will he be one hundred percent fit? He can't no. be. Do you think it's a risk though not having him on the bench, or do you think they've if got he's if he's injured, he's injured? If he's not fit, he's, yeah, well, t- listen, size. Teams have teams have put players on the bench. England did it with uh, Harry Maguire. That you name him on the bench, but I have no no intention of bringing him on. What's the mm. point? If he's not fit, he's not fit. You can't bring him on because listen, there's people whose job it is to watch their warm ups, and if you're yeah. watching the warm up and you see you see you don't see you don't see Hazard out there people go he hasn't warmed up so he's certainly not coming on you know what I mean he's not warming really? up during the game he's not coming on there's no point no. putting him on a team sheet just for the sake of doing it because for me yes people can say mind games but mind games only work if he's running around and if he's not yeah. running around and kicking balls around then it doesn't yeah. work yeah I mean you know I'm thinking more if he's like 80% fit but he's not fit enough to, to really play no. if he's 80% fit I'd probably still have him on the bench just in case you need a goal with 10 minutes to go because you know, and I'm talking if you're going out, it's one nil to Italy, and you need something. And 80% ha- fit Hazard is worth a gamble. But then you look at their bench; they got Batshuayi, they got Chadley, they got Benteke, Dendonka, Mertens. They've got some players there. No but way. But listen, si, as a um, as a as a as a coach, Roberto Martinez, um, Thierry Henry, um, Belgium have got a chance to win this. You know, what I mean, they've got an opportunity to win it, and then you've got a semi final against Spain. And a potential final against England, yeah. Denmark, Czech Republic, um, Ukraine, etc. Um, if Hazard doesn't play today, he could play in the semi-final. The final. Yes, I mean, they're, they're looking at the bigger picture. Where if he plays yeah. tonight, yeah. his tournament could be over because he's got a week. He'll have a week between the, the semi-final and the final, and that's not long enough if he if he gets a strain or a pulse. So his whole tournament could be. If it's not over now, if he gets injured today, it would be over. So I think. Yes, I think yeah. it's probably more precaution than anything um, because. Listen, it's a gamble today, to a certain extent, though, isn't it? If they well, go if he's, out, if he's if he's if he's only seventy percent fit today, I probably would have done the same thing and and saved him for a potential next game. Because if he 
if he plays today and we win and he gets another knock on it or he a string yeah. gets bigger and he's out of the tournament then he's, he'll be yeah. 50% fit for the next one so he definitely can't play in the semi so yeah, yeah. that's a point so um, the Italy side no real surprises there no. you know you've got the old men at the back you've got Spinazzola and, and then them, it's their midfield that's really impressed me with their wing uh, two fullbacks have been very good but Verratti Jorginho and Barella I think have just been outstanding and then of course, you've got Immobile with Chiesa starts and uh, Insignia playing off him. Very, very good team. It's going to be a very enjoyable game. But, uh, Gilo, how do you see this game playing out and who's going to win? What's your predictions? Right. Well, the other night you asked me, the last time I was on, and I, I said 2-0 England. Andy said 3-0. So we got that one right. You two went for Sweden. I went for the Ukraine. So I got mm. that one right. I'm fine. Someone's I'm, keeping track. Someone's yeah. keeping track, isn't it? <laughs> Someone's got it. I've had a couple of quid on it, lads. So don't worry about <laughs> that. Um, listen, honestly, um, I don't know what it is. A fabulous team, Belgium. But going back four years when Hazard was one of the best players in the world, I just felt that they're sitting mentally not right there. They've not achieved. I can see Italy winning this game. Because I saw Italy the other night having to dig in and grind out a result, and they got it. And that's the old Italy as well. Italy used to win games like that on a regular basis. Stop you from playing, not concede, and nick a goal. But I think this Italian team, they, they, they can do one or the other. They can really get at you, as they did in the first two games against um, uh, uh, sorry, Turkey and Switzerland when they, when they put three on both end, uh, teams. Obviously, against Wales, they rested eight players and, and they were happy with the 1-0. But I honestly think Italy will be in the final of this tournament. So if England got to do it, they're going to have to beat Italy in the final. Yeah, I I think Italy have been the best team I've seen out of all the teams which we've watched play football over the last couple of weeks. Um, defensively, that back five just looks the perfect mix of experience, youth, quality, traditional defending. And I said before the tournament, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in Europe as well. Yeah. Um, and then you've got that midfield, Verratti and Jorginho are about as good as you're going to get in terms of central midfielders. And Barella has been exceptionally impressive. It's going to be very difficult for Belgium. Um, I said before the tournament, I felt like Belgium's chance for this generation to win a trophy and get the sort of monkey off their back, if you like. I felt like that was 2016. Yeah. Because I felt like if they'd beaten Wales, they probably would have beat Portugal and so on. But... Mm they came unstuck when Wales dug in. Italy are going to dig in, and they? So, of course they will, yeah. It's going to be interesting. And how do you see it going? And also, what do you think the score is going to be, mate? And also, people in the comments, get your, get your predictions in. Uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm first and foremost, I hope it's a cracking game. Um, I look at Lukaku against Chiellini Benucci. If any two defender pairing is going to keep him quiet, it's going to be the Juventus pairings against the know-how yeah. players for, for, for Inter Milan. So I think they've got that as a as an advantage. I know you could probably say it the other way around. Um, you just said there about the goalkeeper. I think he's had an outstanding tournament. You know he's pulled some great saves off when he needed to. Um, the spine of the team for me. You've got your Immobile, uh, your Verratti and Jorginho, your Kalini and your uh, Benucci, and then your goalkeeper. For me, it's just it's 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 got no weakness. You know what I mean? And then for me. I'm glad Chiesa is playing because I thought when he came on in extra time uh, against Austria, I thought he was fantastic. I thought his goal was brilliant. Insignia's just, he's like a little magician. He gets things going. He, he wants the ball all the time in tight areas. 
Um, I don't see many weaknesses. They work really hard to fit. Uh, for me, I, I agree with Jalo. I think they'll win. Uh, I think I think the, the, it probably is a mental block. You know, the, 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 they, hit the, they hit the quarterfinal against Wales with a mm-hmm. defeat. I think it's going to happen again today. And I think uh, I think 2-0 uh, Belgium. Uh, th- Tuna Italy, sorry, Belgium. So <laughs> the one, the one weakness I see with Italy is if Belgium were to be the team who got ahead, if Belgium were to go into the last 20, 15 minutes, one nil up or two nil up, I look at the Italian bench and if Ita- if Italy go ahead, I find it difficult to believe that they won't be able to hold out because their defensive options off the bench are also incredible to sh- to shore things up. They've got a couple of world class. You know, holding midfielders, central defenders, whatever they need to shore it up looks good off the bench. Yeah, attacking wise, that's where I think they're a little bit lacking in depth. If the main three, you know, it does not happen for them tonight, there's that's where I think they're a bit weaker. Um, obviously, but you have got Bellotti, who's probably their one, uh, you know, really real quality striker off the bench, but yeah. It's going to be interesting. I think Italy are going to win 1-0. I said that the other day and I still stick to that. But if De Bruyne turns it on, you could easily see him doing something special. It could be 2-3-0 to Belgium in 20 minutes because he's that he's that good. He's that special. Um, I also think Tillmans is an absolute superb player. And I believe that he is the the heir to the De Bruyne throne, if you like it, from an international point of view. Um, and I think he's good enough to do it as well. Um, I just think if De Bruyne, Tillmans and Witzel particularly, if they have the game of their life, that's how Belgium will win, is those three in the middle of a park. So that's just I, my opinion, but that's I, how what, I see Belgium winning. What I can see, Sai, is... Um, uh, uh, Roberto Mancini, who I think is a is a great manager, and he's yes. he's grabbed this Italian team now. And and before the tournament, I, I saw a lot of uh, Italian fans saying how um, pleased they were that he's got the job. He's he's made Italy a team again. He's brought the country back together. He's he's not just picking people because of their reputation. He's picked a lot of players from not the so called big name clubs in Italy, but. I'm telling you now, if Italy, they will have a midfield player that will, or try to, De Bruyne is a world-class player, but mm-hmm. they will they will do a job on him because they know yes. this. If they stop him, they stop Belgium. Yeah, yeah but that, that that's why I think Tillmans could be important because he's got the quality to do, uh, you know, he's creative from deep. So if De Bruyne is sort of cancelled out, Tillmans is capable of doing something, but it's where the... He can on the biggest stage in the biggest games, I guess. But um, I, yeah, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something, but I've forgotten what it was. Um, oh, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say, Gilo. I said on Wednesday, um, I think Mancini, on your point, has made Italy look as together as a team and in conjunction with their fans. It reminds me of the Welsh relationship with the fans and the players yeah. from 2016. They yeah. all look. They look so together. And yeah. what a clever move, by the way, by Mancini in the group stage, bringing on those the goalkeeper and those players to make sure, because he said everyone will get at least a few minutes in this tournament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that what what does that do? That just brings the, the whole squad closer together mm. because everyone's happy for that goalkeeper who's just meant, you know, he hasn't just come and 
sat on the bench for the whole tournament. He's part of it. And I think that just amplifies that togetherness. So, yeah, my heart says Italy. But like Rob says there, Belgium 2-1 for him. I just got a feeling with Belgium tonight. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see, yeah. Indeed. Can't so, um, Jilo, you're with us next week for a couple of days, aren't you, I believe? Um, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, Monday, Monday, Wednesday. Monday, Wednesday, yeah. And, uh, and then Friday, uh, we have a certain Scotsman joining us. Uh, and then Monday, me, Andy and Rodri Giggs will be rounding up the final, the tournament, and we'll be giving our teams of the tournament, uh, among other things. But uh, it's going to be a fun, fun week next week. So please do join us Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then the following Monday, 7 till 8. Myself, Andy, Jilo, Rodri Giggs, and... Uh, and the flying Scotsman is, the, is making a is making an appearance, one appearance in the whole tournament. But I say it's because he was expecting Scotland to make it to the semi to the semi-finals at least, and that's mm. why he picked the ninth. But uh, it's backfired on him. That's what I say. <laughs> but um, no, looking forward to uh, having having good old shows next week. Jilo, it's been a pleasure as always, yeah. my friend. Thank Thanks, you very Jano. much. Yeah, great, Andy. Great, Sai. Yeah, listen, I, I, I said the other night, it's enjoyable for me listening to you two. Um, and and I don't want you to blow, you know, I'm not blowing your trumpet, Andy, but I find you really intelligent about football. For someone my age, 65, listening to a young guy like you. <laughs> young. You, hey, young. Hey, come on. He should be with a club. His knowledge is of brilliant. Spot yeah. on. Spot on, Andy. I appreciate that, Jello. Really nice. Young. You lost me. I like the young bit. So, so instead, of, so instead of title X, just put young. <laughs> Andy Campbell, yeah. young. Young Andy Campbell. Yeah. There you go. That's that. Love it. Absolutely. Um, thank you as ever to uh, all our hardcore viewers who join us every single show. Appreciate you guys massively. Um, and to the people who are asking, what's the news? What's the news? Can't quite talk about it yet, but. Um, it's, it's, it's just a bit of fun and uh, we appreciate you all. But there is news coming and uh, it'll be soon. Um, just got a few things to sort out over the next week or so. But it's you know it's good. It's good. That's all I will say. But uh, Andy as ever, mate. Young yeah. Andy Campbell. Young Andy pleasure. Campbell. Buzzing. Yeah. Enjoy, yeah, everyone enjoy the game tonight and come on England. Yes, I agree with you, Andy. <laughs> Look at Sai there. <laughs> For the Come audio on, viewers, Sai. he's scratching his head. Scratching my head. No, look, I, I said it before. Look, mate, I, I won't support England, but if England win, I will be absolutely delighted for you. That's all I will go as far to say. Uh, good night. God bless. I love you all. I'm See going to bed. <laughs>